it's Adam Sank. And if you like my radio show, you'll love my comedy album, Adam Sank, live from the Stonewall Inn. <gasps> oh my goodness. What? <laughs> Fellatio? Really? Available on Amazon, iTunes, and Google Play. Get ready for comedy. Elmo's horny. Politics. The gay spin on the story was like, Queen Elizabeth fucking loves us. Pop culture. I'm not a sports fan. I don't follow this shit. Sexual harassment of celebrity guests. And you are always welcome in my apartment in New York City. And by my apartment, I mean my bed. <laughs> and poetry. Hotter than Vesuvius. More well endowed than the Mastodon. It's the Adam Sank Show on Derek and Romaine 2.0. And for the next hour, you're in the ass. Oh, fuck yeah. And now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Bottom. Miss Vanjie. Miss Vanjie. Miss Vanjie. Hey everyone, it's Adam Sank. Happy Easter. Happy Passover. We are back live, live at 3 o'clock Eastern Time on Sunday, April 1st. Happy April Fool's Day as well. Uh-huh. Please call us at 844-825-5367. Old episodes of The Ass are now available on iTunes uh, immediately. Within 24 hours, they show up on iTunes. Please, when you guys listen on iTunes, leave me a goddamn review. Leave some five-star ratings. Leave some reviews. We need to uh, get the listenership up even more than it already is. Email me at adam at adamsank.com. Like the Facebook page. And more than anything else, for God's sake, donate to my AIDS Walk page. I don't know how many times I have to ask. If you just go to adamsank.com, there's a link directly to my AIDS Walk page. I'm trying to raise $20,000. i am not even at 10000 I need your help. Today, we have an amazing show for you. Our guest is Jack McEnroth. Jack is a multi-hyphenate. He is uh, a a clothing designer seen on Project Runway, an HIV activist, a competitive swimmer, uh, an Instagram celebrity, and more than anything else, he has the most famous ass in the world. Jack's ass is truly legendary. We'll be talking about it uh, in just a little while when he's here live in studio. But first, everyone's favorite piglet, Please welcome my co-host, Ryan Frostig, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, that's not right. It's not Just right. Just a little preview that of That should have been, yes, that should have been applause. Hello. Happy Easter. Uh, happy Easter to you. Ryan is she wearing. She has risen. She has. She. Ryan's wearing pink bunny ears. I, sure I was am. wearing blue bunny ears earlier. We were quite we're festive. Wearing our Easter best. We were almost gay bashed on the way here. Mm. Um, but it's happy. It's uh, I'm happy to have you here. I'm happy to be here. It's happy to have you here. It. They. <laughs> it being me. Ryan, this was a huge week for the Adam Sank Show because this was the week that we surpassed 5,000 downloads. Yes. Mazel tov, darling. 5,000 downloads. Thank you. That's There's fabulous. the applause. And... One of the things I can do on my podcast hosting service is I can look and see where the listeners are uh, situated, mm-hmm. and uh, it should come as no surprise that the vast majority of them are in the United States. The U.S. of A. There's, you know, like over 4,500 4, of those downloads are from the U.S., a little over 200 from Canada, hey. which is really just part of the United States. Mm-hmm. But here's where it gets interesting. Australia, 65 downloads. Da-da-da. France, 40 downloads. Mm. The, the United Kingdom, 24. Germany, 7. The Philippines, 4. 
Brazil three. There's five in Japan. There's two in Portugal, and there's one person in each of the following countries who have listened to the ass: Ireland, Finland, Poland, Bulgaria, and the Netherlands. That's kind of amazing that there is one person in I, these countries. I want to know who it is. Yeah. If you have, it, especially listen, if they're hot. I'd like to get feedback in general from the listeners, regardless of where you are. But if you are listening in a in a faraway land, uh, you know, call a bitch. Let us know what's going on. You can call Tag us, us at 844 if you're listening live. Otherwise, just email me at adam at adamsank.com or tweet about me with the hashtag uh, ass and my name, Adam Sank. Let me know what's going on. Let me know uh, how you found the show, uh, whether you're living under a repressive regime, whatever's happening. Let us know. For you. Um, before we go any further, Ryan, we will do what we do every live show, which is our Pervnado update. <laughs> There's the Pervnado siren. What do we got this week? You know, this week started out kind of slow. I, I was I was wasn't sure we would have enough, and then all of a sudden, which so, is not a bad thing. No, but like I'm looking forward to the day yeah. when we don't have to do this shit anymore. But um, what happened was the the scandals started to explode in the middle toward the end of the week, and most of them involved church folk. Uh, and you know how I love me a sexual misconduct scandal involving mm-hmm. church folk. But first, two women have come forward with sexual misconduct allegations against Ren and Stimpy creator John Crickfaluzzi, accusing wow. him of preying on them when they were underage. One of them moved in with Crickfaluzzi when she was just 16. In a statement, his lawyer said, quote, The 1990s were a time of mental and emotional fragility for Mr. Crickfaluzzi. I think they were for most of us, especially after losing Ren and Stimpy, his most prized creation. For a brief time, 25 years ago, he had a 16-year-old girlfriend. This is part of the quote. Over the years, John struggled with what was eventually diagnosed as mental illness in 2008. To that point, for nearly three decades, he has relied... He had relied primarily on alcohol to self-medicate. Since that time, he has worked feverishly on his mental health issues and has been successful in stabilizing his life over the last decade. Good for him. You but idiot. also, are we really surprised? That show was, it was pretty, so fucked up. It was creepy, right? R. Kelly's former girlfriend, Kitty Jones, has accused the R&B singer of sexual misconduct with a 14-year-old girl. Kitty? Kitty Jones? Kitty Jones. K-I-T-T-I. It's like a... Fabulous drag hooker name. Something RuPaul would sing. In a new BBC documentary, Jones says he introduced her to a girl he said he had been, quote, training as a, quote, sex pet (laughs) since she was 14. Don't laugh at this. (laughs) Kelly and his representatives have not commented on the allegations. This is certainly not the first time we've heard crazy shit about R. Kelly. It's been like over a decade now. There's so many rumors about him having some kind of like sex cult where he grooms right. these young women but he's never been charged he, he was charged that one time with uh having made a video with an underage girl and he was found not guilty so Is i don't know how much pissing yeah there was a, l- allegedly some kind of piss video i don't know how much longer r kelly uh c- these reports can come out without something, something happening, happening but so far nothing meanwhile republic records which is a label um that includes artists like lord ariana grande uh, the weekend, they've announced that they fi- have parted ways with their president, Charlie Walk. The announcement followed an internal investigation begun after an accusation of sexual harassment was made against Walk by a former co-worker. 
after she posted about her experiences with him on a blog, four other women came forward with similar experiences. So the record company was like, see ya. He has denied the allegations. Uh, hey, Matthew in Columbus. Thank you for congratulating me on my success. Um, yes, was, I'm so thrilled for you. I didn't even realize you were on the phone. <laughs> Katie put a note in front of me. I just thought you were in the chat room. Uh, hello. Hi. It's so it's such a pleasure to talk with you guys. And can I just say right now Tell me. that I need to meet Ryan in person because I want to see how much he really enjoys eating half. Oh. Enjoys eating or getting eaten? Uh, well, either or, because it's been 15 months since I've had anything, so... Ryan, do you want to comment? I mean, I'm 50-50 down the middle. I give it, I receive okay. it. Okay. So it's, it's definitely his thing. Well, well, re regardless, Adam, I also want to thank you personally. Um, I had written an email to you a little while back, and you answered it back the very next day. And that meant so much to me, uh, oh. particularly about everything that you uh, openly talk about with HIV and addiction and everything else, because that is now part of my life. Um, I'm living in a I'm living in a sober house that I manage, and I have so much adoration for all of the attention you're putting to this huge epidemic amongst the gay community. And I want to thank you so very much for being so open about it. And uh, I just really love the show, and it makes my week every week so thank you so much for all what you're doing wow matthew that means the world to me thank you so much and i i wish you um continued success in your recovery and thank um, you you know it's I, I do think it's important that we all talk about uh addiction and any other kind of stigma any any topics that are stigmatized in in our community and other communities are the ones that we have to uh talk about openly because that's how people heal and get better Exactly. Well, uh, I'll let you go and get back to the show. Uh, hi to JD and hi to Ryan. And um, please ask Jack if he wouldn't mind sending me a, an aspect. I, I will do my best. <laughs> Matthew, thanks for listening, baby. Thanks, Keep your Matthew. chin up. All right. Have a good one. What a sweetheart. <laughs> to continue with the Pervnado update, we get into the church scandals now. Uh, Frank Page, executive director of the Southern Baptist Convention, which governs, wait for it, 47,000 Baptist churches across America abruptly resigned this past week over what he calls, quote, a morally inappropriate relationship in the recent past. Hmm. We should point out that the uh, Southern Baptist Convention opposes abortion rights, equality of the sexes, same-sex marriage, and anti-discrimination laws that protect LGBTQ people. Why that's important is nobody is saying exactly what kind of inappropriate relationship the 65-year-old Paige had, but oh, many geez. are speculating that and it may have involved a imagine. penis. Yeah, and probably someone underage. There is more to come on this story, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bill Hybels, the founder and senior pastor of a Willow Creek of Willow Creek Community Church, which is one of these evangelical mega churches in the suburbs of Chicago, has been accused of inappropriate conversations, extended hugs, an unwanted kiss, and invitations to hotel rooms, along with the allegation of a consensual affair with a married woman who later said her claim was untrue. Pastor Hybels is stepping down in October, which is something he had previously planned. Um, this was a huge story in the Chicago Tribune because this is an, an enormous church. This church um, has three weekend services that average 26,000 attendees. 
So it's one of the largest churches in the yeah, U.S. Um, he's denied the allegations, as I said, and none of it's gay, but that we know of. it does involve uh, allegedly sex. Um, Ronnie Gorton, the former pastor at e- Awakening Church in Atoka, Tennessee, has been charged with 47 counts related to sexually abusing underage boys, one of whom was under the age of 13. Gorton's trial is expected to begin this summer. In a 2014 interview, he explained how he met his wife, Rhonda, at Bible College when they were both backup singers for the same worship team. Gag. That's hilarious. Ladies, Only in Atoka. Ladies, if you meet your husband when you're both backup singers for you, the same worship team, he likes dick. He likes dick. It's very suspect. Not necessarily little boy dick. No. But dick. And you shouldn't marry him. She has actually filed for divorce since the charges came to light. Um, And finally, I have to mention this. Uh, William Strample, former dean of Michigan State University's College of Osteopathic Medicine, uh, was the boss of convicted child molester Larry Nasser. Remember the guy, that the doctor who Mm -hmm. molested all those um, female gymnasts? Well, now his boss has been arrested um, due to accusations of sex, sexual mis- misconduct, excuse me, I'm trying to suck on a lozenge, during his tenure at the university, the 70-year-old Strample, quote, used his office to harass, discriminate, demean, sexually proposition, and sexually assault female students, according to an affidavit filed by the Michigan Attorney General's office. And all of that has happened just since my last live show two weeks ago, Ryan. It never ends. It never ends. I keep thinking it will. And then there's just so much that has yet to be uncovered. Like it just, it's just, it's yeah. crazy how much is like happening behind the scenes. You know, I do look forward to the day when we don't have to do this anymore. Me I mean, we really don't have to do it anyway, <laughs> but now that I've started, I just feel like compelled I know. to report on this because I do think that it is helpful again when the truth comes out and it's, it's happening everywhere it's hap- in every industry it's- and moving from industry to industry. Like yeah. now it's churches, right? You know? It, it was like it was Hollywood mm-hmm. and then it was sports and then it was the art world and it just keeps shifting. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, on to a much lighter topic. RuPaul's Drag Race season 10 premiered. Uh, th- we just had episode two. So it's been less than two weeks since it premiered. <laughs> and we now turn to the Adam Sank Show's RuPaul's Drag Race correspondent, Ryan Frostake, for his review of the show so far. Hi. Take it away, Ryan. All right, kitty girls. So if you have been living under a rock for the past decade, then you probably missed that RuPaul's Drag Race has become a cultural phenomenon and has changed the drag industry forever. Um, I would go as far as to say it is the best reality competition television program of all time. And if you are not watching it, A, you need to look at your life, look at your choices, Make some changes, and B, you probably won't understand any of what I'm about to say. Nothing. So this is not for you. Um, so this is season ten. So we've had a decade of Drag Race, and you know these girls have come to play. This is like the the stakes are high. The bar has been set very high by over a hundred queens that have come before them. So you know we're all and we're coming off of a All Stars season that was questionable. So we really wanted something that's going to gag us and give us life. So right off the bat, the queens that stand out for me that I'm that I'm rooting for personally, I have to give it up to Team New York. Yeah. We've got Monet Exchange, Ms. Cracker, 
uh, Yuha Yamasaki, uh, Dusty Ray Bottoms, and of course Aquaria, who is 21 years old. She's been doing drag since she was 14. And um, these queens are amazing. I mean, New York is always the most represented city on Drag Race, and it's because we have... We're the best. Yeah, it's the hub. Um, I think I'm most excited out of those girls about Monet and Ms. Cracker, who is thin, white, and salty, which I think is brilliant branding. (laughs) Um, I've actually... I saw them a couple weeks ago at Hardware, uh, right over in uh, Hell's Kitchen, and they embody for me what new york drag is all about they're theatrical they're they're fierce they're smart they're very quick and i think that they're gonna slay the competition i think i'm rooting for them i want them to be in the top three or top two however they're gonna do it this year but i'm also kind of hoping that they like fail a little bit because i'd love to see them in the bottom because these these queens are gonna gag the children you want to see them whip oh yeah for their lives that's like that's the problem that has been the problem in the past is that the queens have just not been good lip sync artists, so they don't they don't bring it in the way that we want it to be. Not counting the two that have already been sent home. Who oh, is yes. in your bottom? We, what? Who is in your bottom? Oh, well, first of all, the first queen I would love to see sashay away is the Vixen. And bitch, she's from Chicago. And how do we know this? Because she literally walked into the workroom looking like she went to Navy Pier in Chicago, broke into one of those claw machines and put every single Chicago symbol on her body and it looked a hot mess and girl, you gotta go. And she's also has bad energy and she's really a bitch. She is. She's starting trouble for no reason. Just for the sake of it. She's just throwing flames. She just wants to have her moment and we're, we're letting her have it and at the door. And I'm also uh, ready to see uh, Blair St. Clair, who is a self-proclaimed Broadway queen. Um, (laughs) And she's the first queen from Indiana to be on RuPaul's Drag Race. And let's just say there's a reason. I happen to think he's adorable as a boy. But no Broadway queen can't do a simple parallel. That's the thing. I'm about to read her for filth. Because you can serve all that musical theater fishiness. But if you can't execute a single pirouette, what are you doing? Yeah. Really, Queen? Uh, so I'm uninterested in her. Um, but really, I think this is going to be a great season. Um, I think we're going to get a lot of drama, which the fans are, are always craving. And uh, I'm here for it. And that this has been your RuPaul's Drag Race Report for April 1st. Thank you, Ryan Frostig. Bye. For your report. It's, Thank you. Honestly, this is Ryan's greatest joy in life is this show. Thank you for letting me be the official correspondent. Yes, you're the, the Coru. This and eating ass are your two favorite it's all, things. That's all I'm good for. Well, Ryan, six of the season 10 contestants uh, took part in a, a little thing for Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair asked them to, to discuss drag through the ages in movies and sort of rate each uh, bit of drag that they saw. So some of the movies they looked at were Some Like It Hot uh, with Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon, um, Pink Flamingos with Divine, Dustin Hoffman, and Tootsie. And they basically just gave their takes on each of the Lukes mm-hmm. and what they liked and what they didn't like. And here's what they had to say about Robin Williams in Mrs. Doubtfire. This, Mrs. Doubtfire is like, 
if Lady Bunny really wanted to retire and then prouts around in her house and, and decided to babysit children. children. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is what you call a female impersonator. Very yeah. true, yeah. 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 This yeah. was yeah. high drag. Yeah. What I love about Mrs. Doubtfire especially is that they use like the art of makeup and illusion. What we do as illusions. Yes. To like yeah. connect with his kids. Yeah. And also yeah. talk yeah. about yeah. family yeah. values, yeah. love. Yeah, because drag queens have family. We yeah, we yeah. have lots of family. Drag queens do have families. Yes. That's cute. I thought it was really cute. I think it's fun that they're getting such great exposure. Yeah. Um, another story that I uh, that I eyeballed, especially for Ryan Frostegg. This is actually an old story. I don't know how I stumbled upon it. It's from 2014. Mm -hmm. But I think we have to do it because of who our guest is today. Yeah, Jack McEnroth, as you know, uh, has one of the most famous asses in the world. And uh, this article is a scientist tells us why men like big butts. Why do they like big butts, Adam? Well, as you know, uh, pop culture has been littered with enormous asses ever since Jennifer Lopez became a thing. Mm -hmm. And then Kim Kardashian, you know, became the ass that swallowed America. <laughs> um, what scientists say is that the reason narrow waists and broad hips are so prized is that males, uh, when they see this, when they see a woman with a narrow waist, they know she's not pregnant. Mm -hmm. First of all, this is we're talking in terms of evolution. And if she has broad hips, it means that she probably can have a relatively easy childbirth. So an hourglass shape indicates that a woman is single and ready to mingle and able to birth healthy swans. Also, this is just a weird fact. Women with big butts apparently have smarter kids and tend to be more intelligent themselves. The fat that is stored in women's butts called gloop gluteofemoral fat has unique long chain polyunsaturated fatty acids that are important for baby's brain development. Now this does not in any way explain why gay men are so into big butts on men. Well, and listen, I don't know what lesbians like. I don't know if lesbians like big asses, flat asses. I think they like Tell us your theory, right? I've always said that the ass is the gateway to the soul. <laughs> and Every ass that I've ever come into contact with has helped me grow and has helped me move forward in my life with just a feeling of comfort and safety. And there's just nothing like grabbing a big fat ass. You know, it's just like it feels right. I do love a big ass and I'm more of a bottom. So it's, yeah. it, it doesn't even mean I necessarily want to do anything with the ass, although I sometimes do. Yeah. Uh, but there is something so beautiful. It's kind of how I feel when I see a woman with great tits. Yeah. You know, like I don't totally. want to have sex with her, but I appreciate oh, those tits. I love tits. You if, know, if, if there was no if the vagina wasn't a thing. I would I would have sex with women. I love tits. You would titty fuck them. Yeah. I think you would, too, because you're you're definitely into globes. Yes. So we're going to ask Jack when he gets here how he has achieved his prize-winning ass. Speaking of asses, Aaron Carter, <laughs> I, I'm real, I've had it with his shit. I've had it. Aaron Carter, as you all know, we talk about him endlessly on this show. He came out as bi, then he kind of hedged, and then he said, no, I really am bi, then he hedged. Now he's basically saying uh, he's not bi anymore. He's a fair weather queen. Yeah, it said that... <laughs> <laughs> Okay. The reason JB is playing this is because I am officially announcing the death of Aaron Carter discussion on the Adam Sank show. We are we never going to talk about him again. Aaron's uh, homosexuality was inspiring. He's, he was asked about the bisexuality and he said, yeah, no. 
It was more of just a story that happened when I was like 17 with somebody. And I can find men and women attractive, but when it comes down to it, I think it was a little misconstrued. I see myself as being with a woman and having kids. I want to have a family. So fuck you, Aaron Carter. <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you, miss. Fuck you, miss. <laughs> this whole thing has just been a ploy for publicity to yep. make some gay fans thirsty. And honestly, no one even knows what you're singing. No one knows your music. Nobody cares. No one cares. Unless Aaron Carter dies or comes out with a gay porn video, I'm never We're discussing him again. Wait, I'm confused. Here, here. Who thought Aaron Carter was fine? I did not. He I mean, someone not. does. I mean, back in the the late 90s, early 2000s, he was cute, but now he looks haggard and... Well, well, I'll tell you about a, uh, another singer who really is bisexual, probably, is Mike Posner. Oh. I don't know Mike Posner, but he's a I thing. Uh, he recently released an audiobook for Teardrops and Balloons, which uh, I think is a book of poetry that he wrote. In a poem titled A Song with Pitbull, he writes, I want to have sex with men and women I haven't met yet. He is not cute, by the way. That sounds very bisexual. JB, Jack is uh, calling me. Hello, Jack. Hello. We're on the air, but someone will come down to get you shortly. <laughs> Stay, you want to talk to him? Okay. Thank you. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, that's what's happening with Mike Posner. Hopefully. I mean, he's okay in the face. He's not, he's, he looks... It's, I feel like I he's... Mean, well, that's a, that's that's a, great, a picture. great picture. That the picture, picture I found is really bad. <laughs> yeah, what's happening on the Google is not But cute. you would you go for that hairy-chested oh, look, don't you? Yeah. Uh, okay. Meanwhile, Grinder was in the news this week oh, for all shit. the wrong reasons. So this is kind of a crazy story. The first thing that happened is someone developed an app called Cockblocked with an asterisk for the O mm -hmm. in which you, if you had Grinder, you could activate this app and see all of the men who had blocked you. Not That's necessarily crazy. why, but you could see who, who had. Well, almost immediately, uh, men of color were saying, hey, Every guy that's ever blocked me is a white guy, and most of them are people that I have never spoken to, never reached out to, never chatted with. They basically just saw my picture, saw I was a person of color, and blocked it, which is like straight-up racist Racism. shit, right? So it, was, it basically exposed all this microaggression, and so that was in the news for a couple days. But then the story became this. The fact that this guy was able to do this, to, to successfully launch this app, meant that all of Grindr's information was easily hackable. Not only could you find out people's, uh, could you, you know, see people's photos and read messages they had sent, but you can also find out exactly where they are, <laughs> which can be dangerous. That's you know, there's a terrifying. lot of predators on Grindr and, yeah. and Scruff and these other things, and if, and if they want to gay bash you and they can fucking see your address. Uh, so Cockblock, was immediately uh, th th taken offline. Grinder figured out a way to block Cockblocked. But Grinder admitted, uh, they told uh, NBC News, yes, um, Grinder reminds all users that they should never give away their username and password to any third parties claiming to provide a benefit as they are not authorized by Grinder and could potentially have malicious intent. They claim they have patched the security flaw that allowed Cockblock to obtain this data um, the moral of the story is basically don't ever give out your username and passwords because that's what people were doing yeah. on this app. And there are other apps that will ask you, you know, hey, do you want to see this? Give me your username and password. And by doing that, 
suddenly you're finding out all this secret information. Or you can just not be on Grinder. Yeah, at all. Honestly, like I'm not on the apps anymore, and I feel a sense of freedom. So much better. It's so much better, and also like these apps have always been racist. I mean, there was the whole no fats, no femmes, no Asians yes. movement. That was a big thing. That was a big thing. And I think that that's gotten a little bit better, but clearly, you know, these apps and- Speaking and, from the fat perspective, no, it hasn't. Well, just, yeah, no, I mean, it really will never, I think that people just are a little bit less, hopefully a little bit less uh, vocal about what they don't want. JB, you're still on the apps, right? Um, not as much. No, like I'm there because I'm bored mostly. Yeah, and I'm just like, hmm. I wonder who. I wonder where I could get a quick nut from. But then, <laughs> quick nut. On, quick but then nut. it's not. It's not even worth it because then Tumblr gives me the nut I want, and I'm just like, okay, what's the point? Sometimes Tumblr's kind of you amazing. feel like a nut. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you don't. So JB, if you could uh, use an app that showed you every guy that's ever blocked, you, I would do you not want to see that. No, because I I'm already a self like. I I already have issues with my anxiety, so that watch see what other people say about me and why they block me would make me feel angry. And I would well, you wouldn't have a reason, but if you saw that it was like three hundred white guys, then I, clearly I would be really pissed off because like none of them fucking know me, and like and I I I always get judged because I'm a big black guy, so that always bothers me. So like yeah. seeing that and just knowing that I'd be judged because I'm a big black guy, it just bothers my spirit. Sure, because I'm not I'm not a mean person. Yeah, I'm, I'm a very nice guy, but most times, if you don't piss me off, but I'm not. If, if you piss him off, watch out. Yeah, I'm coming for you. She will cut you. I will. I, you know, honestly, the only people that I would block like instantly when I would see them on social or, or on uh, hookup apps would be people I knew personally. Yeah. And I didn't want them to see me on there. So I'd be like, oh, there's my friend George block. Right. You know, there's Scott block. Block. Um, we're going to do one more story and then introduce our fabulous guest. And this is our weekly cocktails and cock talk story. And now, time for another stupid story from cocktails and cocktalk.com. Yeah, suck my cock. That voice has grown on me. Oh, good. I'm glad you like it. This, This week's story is about an actual penis belonging to an actor named Adam Devine. In Netflix's new feature-length comedy, Game Over Man, um, Adam Devine shows his actual penis. He plays a guy who is engaged in auto-asphyxiation. He's in a closet. There's like a tie around his neck. And uh, they open the closet, and he's there with his dick in his hand, and they show the dick, and it's his actual dick. He has confirmed it. Do you have a picture of said penis? I don't have it on me, but it's Ugh. easily Googleable. And I have to say, on it. it's a nice penis. I'm ready to see it. I mean, I've never really thought about Adam Devine in a sexual way. It's not huge, but it's also flaccid, and um, it's kind of pretty. Those of you who watched the Pitch Perfect movies will remember Adam Devine as the guy who played Bumper. Um, and that's basically the entire I'm only seeing story. Bulge. No, there's actual penis. He, it's it's on Twitter. There's The video clip is on Twitter. And then there was a story about Adam Devine watching the movie with his father, and his father told him that's his favorite part. <laughs> oh my god so I feel like I have to watch the movie to look he's at the just penis the father's proud looking. of the family jewels I guess he is yeah and then Adam's like uh, who's is bigger and his father goes or he goes is it bigger and his father goes oh much bigger but it's not clear whether he's talking about his own oh. or Adam's so <laughs> the mystery continues wow. and and that's a perfect segue to our guest 
a man whose ass is far more famous than mine. America first met him in 2007 as a contestant on Project Runway Season 4. He has since become an HIV activist, Instagram star, model, and now porn star. Please porn wel- star. Please welcome to the ass, Jack McEnroth. Come on. Yes, thank you. Welcome. Jack. I, don't, I, don't, I have not owned that title yet. Let me tell you something, Jack. First of all, are they stars, really? Well, they're all stars. We're all stars. When when I when one goes to your uh, Twitter mm-hmm. at Jack McEnroth, and I I warn everyone, do not go to it from your work computer. It's not safe for work. No. Yes. The first thing you see, the pinned image, is Jack taking it from both ends. And I'm not. Well, mad. I'm, I'm certainly not posting this on my Facebook page. <laughs> I'm not mad about it, but uh, but yeah, it's, it's happening. Yeah. You're a porn star. Well. I'm not, how do I respond to that? Basically, um, you know, I have a lot of social media followers, and I'm, I think on Instagram I'm a little over 110,000 or something. And people just kept saying, "Why are you gonna do OnlyFans? Why are you doing OnlyFans?" Because I've never had a problem with being naked. So I said, "If I hit 100,000 followers, I'll do it." So I did. That was in. It's been two months now, um, and. I looked at a few other friends of mine's accounts to see what they were doing. Yeah. And it was like very soft core like mood lighting. I'm like, <laughs> um, and I'm like, I'm going to school. I'm going back to school in the fall. I'm like, I want to raise tuition. I want to raise money. I want to like, this is a means to an end for me. Like, I don't have aspirations of like doing studio aspirations. porn. Aspirations. Aspirations. Um, what are you going back to school for? Nursing. I'm oh, doing nice. an accelerated nursing course. I know it'll be my fourth bachelor's degree. Excellent. Um, But no, so I just, I'm very sex positive. I'm not shy, clearly. (laughs) So I just figured, fuck it. I'll just go full on. Yes. Why not? Listen, if you can make the money and pay the tuition, make the money. Yeah. The OnlyFans thing, that's like a fairly new kind of thing, right? Yeah, I want to know how this works, because suddenly everyone I know has an OnlyFans account. Well, it's kind of, so, Okay. Basically, it's you. It's just a private account. People can subscribe to it. You can set your price at you know. Some people are ten dollars. Mine's fourteen ninety nine. Some people are thirty. Like whatever. On Instagram. On no, it's a separate site. It's its own site. Yeah, and then there's actually another one called Just Four Dot Fans, and then there's another one coming out because basically the people that I've talked to that are mainly porn people or like social influencers, but they don't usually do full nudity or fucking or whatever. Um, OnlyFans has been thrown together and they make a ton of money right now. Like I make, after two months, I'm good. Like, Well, so here's what I'm wondering about because a lot of people that I know who have these accounts are definitely not having sex on them. Well, that's what I mean. And I think those people are getting weeded out. Right, because who the fuck's going to pay 15 bucks a month just just to see someone's ass? Right, you can see it on their Instagram feed. So what I'm wondering from you is like, do you feel this (laughs) pressure to constantly up the ante uh, so to speak, and, so, and add like more extreme images. Right, I'm and getting videos. triple fisted next week. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, yes. Of, at the beginning, because I was not a video taker. Like I, you know, how some people love to film when they're fucking. And not me. I me either. Yeah. I was like, put your goddamn phone down. Because most people don't look the good yeah. on video, right? Unless they've like, been doing it and yeah. know how to do it. So at first, I just was posting. I've obviously a ton of like naked photo shoots, and I was posting that and like naked selfies, and 
then I was making some of my own personal videos, and then I had videos from when other guys would film, and they would send them to me, and so I was hosting those, and then I sort of started running out of content. I'm like, how do I keep... And actually, it's the money that's super addictive. Yes. Because we, as... Um, Performers. Yeah, people that are putting out content, we get 80% of the profit. So Sweet deal. Like, I'm making... I mean, you know, I'm not going to say the amount, but I have a fair amount of followers after two months, and like... It's a lot. It's very addictive. So I was like, okay, you know, I looked at a few other accounts and they were just basically like alluding to or showing their heart ons or like kind of playing with their butt. And I was like, you know what? I don't fucking care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm like, I really don't have any more fucks to give. I'm just like, and of course, you know, as soon as I came out on people find out because my I have a tramp stamp that's like so visible and so obvious um there, you also know, your ass is fairly recognizable very few people have an ass like that <laughs> thank you let's be honest um but no people were there was a vlog immediately written about what a whore i am and that i'm a, like an aids meth head and Ugh. on and on and, on. and you're totally sober i am sober but so yeah i um and don't have aids we should also add well i made sure be positive but like people what people don't same. know is like yeah you can't transmit if you're undetectable so what's not a thing but right. Right. um and i just thought i think being on project runway like and having the whole world critique you you it, it taught me a valuable lesson like at first it's like crack you're like what's everyone's talking about me what do they want to you know what are, what are they saying and who likes me and whatever and then you realize that most people that comment on the internet are just sad fucks and they yeah. just want to criticize and then it means nothing and then i also sort of got okay with it in, in terms of thinking like okay well if, if i'm getting praise from strangers and critiques from strangers they're both of value worth like you know people be like oh my god you're so hot i don't want to fuck you like and something they send me i get like 20 asshole and dick pics in my instagram <laughs> feed a day <laughs> and they don't even say hi it's just yeah, like an asshole hole Ryan it's just mind that. it's like yeah. hi here's my hole i'm like um and you're not even you're a bottom you don't want to see hole i'm a middle oh interesting yeah, I mean, I think by default, because my ass is, like, ginormous, mm. everyone just assumes I'm a bottom, which I'm happy to be, but I'm actually a middle. We're talking to Jack McEnroth. You guys, our phones are open, 844-825-5367. Call in with questions for Jack. <laughs> um, Jack, by my reckoning, you have worn many hats, yeah. but very few condoms. You, you, have been, <laughs> you have been a fashion designer- an activist, a competitive swimmer, and a model. Tell me, talk to me a little bit about sort of your career evolution, because it seems like whatever you are, you stay that for like a few years, and then you go do something else. Well, it's actually really interesting. I was um, doing an interview with a blogger right before this. We were talking about that, and I have a new therapist for the last four months, and we've been talking about the same thing. And I think it's because I was diagnosed HIV positive when I was nineteen, so I thought I'd be dead by the time I was twenty-five. Sure. So. I, this was in the late 80s? This was 89. Mm -hmm. So I just had this mindset, like, why save money? Why worry about, like, a longevity of your career right. or, like, a 401k? I'm like, if you're going to be dead before you're 30, like, fuck all. So um, I think that's also translated to having no fear of the reinvention. Like... You know, I went to Parsons Design School. I was a fashion designer for 17 years. And then I went on the 
in Project Runway. And as soon as Project Runway aired, I quit. I was like, I don't want to do this. is like the pinnacle. I'm not going any higher than this. I'm like making jog suits from Bangladesh. Right Did now. you quit right away? Because I, I felt like for a few years you, you continued in that in that business. No, I quit. I I I quit. Like as soon I quit before I went on the show because it's about thirty five days of filming. So I couldn't just leave. And actually, my boss is kind of douchey about it. And he's like, well, thanks for letting me know. I'm like, I found out yesterday, and I have to go on set tomorrow. So, like, sorry, I didn't give you two weeks' notice. So, um, and I I was just like, I at that time, I was already 38. So I was like, I know that Bravo would try to tell us, oh, you're going to be the next big fashion star. And I was like, yeah, no, <laughs> that's not going to happen. I mean, Christian Siriano, who won my season, has done well. He's the only one. So some of, the... some of them have, have really made great careers for themselves. What were you saying, I'm, Ryan? He's the most he, Yeah, but even he, like, I don't know his numbers, but I know he struggles. Like, mm -hmm. he has a huge contract with Payless Shoes that finances a lot. I mean, but, like, just because you get dresses on celebrities doesn't mean that you're selling, selling, selling. Right. And also, fashion is really a dying industry because everyone buys their shit on Amazon. Like, no one goes to brick-and-mortar stores anymore, so... And we're, and it's sort of a discount economy. You know, everyone's yeah. looking for a bargain and yeah. can't get a bargain with, with real fashion. Jack, you very famously came out as HIV positive on the show. Yeah. And then you went home because you had MRSA right. in your nose. Which I have to ask, did you get that from eating some bad ass? I did. Tim Guns. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, no, if you want really bad ass, talk to Michael Kors. Um, hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> really bad orange ass. Um, it is. <clears throat> no, actually, uh, and it reminds me, I want to talk to you about OnlyFans versus HIV actualism because that's interesting too. Um, no, I the MRSA was unrelated to my HIV status, which everyone assumes. So, like your HIV, your immune immunocompromised, right? But I like I have a totally healthy immune system, so anyone can um, get MRSA. Yeah, I you get it from the gym. We had actually one day where we only had a half day, and like Rami and like six of us went and did some cardio or whatever. And like the next day, and I'd had it once before, and you can you can feel it. Yeah, so. And, you know, it looks like it's over a three-week period, but it's th six days because we filmed every other day. One day was a uh, project, and the next day was the judging. So, like, we didn't have any days off. Well, it was really it, – it, it made an impact on me, not the MRSA, but you're coming out as pause. Uh, I was already paused by then, but I hadn't talked about it publicly at all. And you were the first Project Runway contestant, as far as I know, to talk about it. Re maybe the first reality star – I was the first reality star since Pedro Zamora, who right. was on the first season of Real World, and he died in 95, I think. So I very conscientiously, you know, went to the producers and said, because of course they know our medical history, like the, in the audition process was six months of, you know, filling out documents and submitting content and video and questions and psychological exams, and you have, you can't even imagine. But they knew, and um, and I was like, uh, they asked me if I'd be willing to talk about it, and I was like, of course, it's like super important. So um, I'm really glad I did. Yeah, I mean, I, th awesome. I you must have heard from so many people. Oh, I still do. I still, I even though I'm sort of backing away from the nonprofit sort of HIV sector, there's so much content about that about me and HIV in tandem 
that I get probably two or three Instagram messages a day. And then, like, actually, I'm the second most popular uh, platform is Scruff. <laughs> like, because in my Scruff profile, I have, like, it's just my personal opinion that if you're HIV negative and you're gay, you should be on PrEP. And, yes. And, you know, then I explain also if you're undetectable, you can't transmit HIV. And then I give the the info, the best website for PrEP, I think, is prepster.info. And the best website about uh, undetectable and you equals you, which is undetectable equals untransmittable, is preventionaccess.org. So I, people are looking at that. This is all on your scruff profile. Yeah. I'm totally like, That's you can't, amazing. you can take the boy out of activism, but you can't take the activism out of the boy. So, and or PS, man or woman. And PS or looking for 10 inches. <laughs> right. That's like the last line. Right. Uh, That's the first line. But you, I don't think everyone knows this. You created. The HIV equal campaign, correct? Correct. And the We Are All Clean campaign. Right. So tell me about how those came about. And also, I want to know what happened to the We Are All Clean campaign. Because it was like, the it was huge, and then all of a sudden it was gone. Well, it was a one, both, you know, that part, that the We Are All Clean thing was a one-man show. I was literally thinking for World AIDS Day, December 1st, whatever year that was, What's the, how do we do a version of the ice bucket challenge for HIV? Right. And I came up with the shower selfie thing with the clean and being stigma and people saying, are you clean? And how that whole play on words. You know, on, on the apps, people will say, yeah, are you, are you clean? clean? Are you clean? Are you clean? I'm clean? like, not really. No, um, no I'm, I'm filthy. really dirty. There's dingleberries Actually, all I'm, over me right now. Oh, filthy. <laughs> um, so I, I thought about, I thought of it and then I, you know, I, how it exploded is I reached out to, you know, high social media profile people that are friends of mine and they all did it like Seth Fornia and, you know, the usual suspects, hot guys. And, I did one, but nobody cared. Well, and then Laverne <laughs> Cox tweeted about it and then Perez Hilton did it. And then Whoopi Goldberg put it on her Facebook page and like within, it was so funny. So I was trying to get an organization to get behind it. And right. like say, hey, listen, this is growing really quickly, and you could be a beneficiary. Like the ice bucket challenge made, I don't know how many millions of dollars. Sure. So and it was the ALS. same premise. It was like do this and then nominate three people. So apparently there was something like twenty seven million hits, like social media hits with it in a week, and it was translated into like nine languages. And I all this, I mean, I couldn't even keep up. But it was just me. That was a problem. Right. And like, if Amvar would have taken up the, taken the reins and said, like, hey, we're going to push this out even harder and get some big celebrities, it could have really blown up, but no one did it. It's so weird. It's I like know. a missed opportunity. Well, and I also keep saying, like, you can reopen, you can redo it. Right. Now Instagram's bigger than ever. I'm like, it would explode again. Totally. Um, and then HIV Equal was, um, I was working at a nonprofit and, um, we wanted to do, there was a photographer there who wanted to do a, a campaign about HIV. And I was like, I go, you know, I did the no hate campaign. And I'm like, let's, let's, let's use that model. Like it was really successful. And I talked to Adam Busca. I'm like, do I have to kind of copy you? And the, I, the, the term HIV equal just came, it just came to me like, okay, well, if you're, if you're not, you're either the stigma is that you're HIV positive or you're HIV negative, but like we're all equal. So right. like, that's kind of how it came about. I mean, it's fairly, the message is fairly obvious, which was the beauty of it. 
So I think it's huge because I think that, you know, pause people are always seen as sort of the lesser and the less desirable, or at least that was the case until prep. I do feel like prep has changed everything. Oh, yeah. Because so, when, when I used to hook up with guys in, in you know, 2006, it was like, oh, your pause, no thanks. Right. And now it's like, oh, yay, we don't have to use condoms because I'm on prep. Like, they, there's oh, not I even guys a question who, about who, it. <laughs> so tacky. And actually, I said no to most of them. I can't say all. But um, <laughs> who are like, oh, I'm on, I'm on prep now. I can have sex with you. And I was like, <laughs> well, gosh, thanks for waiting. Like, <laughs> You've um, been on my list all these years, yeah. Jack. And finally... No, um, but, you know, I think prep has been amazing socially in terms of fighting stigma because negative guys are now in the conversation. And it used to be that negative guys only educated themselves really about HIV and when they found out that they were positive. So now they get it all, That's an, and we're basically the same. Like, you get, do you take a pill in the morning? I take a pill in the morning. Neither of us can get or transmit HIV, so... It's. I think it's been a really good thing in that sense. The undetectable, this idea of being undetectable was something that I learned about maybe like a year or two ago. It was a very recent thing for me. It was something that I didn't know. So just the idea that like if you're, you know, taking the right medication that you can't transmit the virus, it's like really amazing. You're living a very healthy, normal life. It's not really any different than the life that I'm living. You know, it's so it's 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 exciting to know that people are getting informed yeah it's also really empowering for people that are especially newly diagnosed i'm like my response to your comment at first was like we also have to remember that we're in manhattan and like we're very privileged and we have access to everything we need but like i get a lot of messages from people that can't get medication and can't you know can't talk about being gay and i mean and even in the U.S., like parts of the South are so ass backwards. So sure. we're super, super lucky, but it's not reality for everyone. No, for it's sure. such a, it's such a good point. And even here in the city, you know, when I've posted about being paused or talked about it on this show, people will message me and say, like, thank you so much because I haven't told anyone. Yeah. And, and if they're saying that here in New York, you know, just imagine if they yeah, live in oh, Alabama or South Dakota or someplace like well, that's where why they be- don't have the resources. And people think like, oh, AIDS is over. I'm like, no, 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 no. There's like, I, I can't remember the exact statistic, but it's pretty mind blowing how many people die of AIDS in the U.S. every year. But there are people who aren't taking meds. Well, because they're scared to, or they're scared, or they don't have access, or yeah. I mean, that's that's like that Broadway composer um, who died uh, of AIDS. Yeah. Why can't I think of his name? Um, Michael. God, I talked about him so much on the show. Michael Friedman. Yeah. I mean, everyone said, "Oh, see, you can still die of AIDS," and it's like, yeah, if you don't take your meds. Yeah, I'm afraid. Absolutely, you can. He he go ahead do something. Um, No, I had a friend who. He's a kid. Well, he's not like a kid, but everyone's a kid to me. He's in his 30s. And um, he just stopped taking his medication. And I was like, you know, and he had shingles for months. Wow. And I finally, I was like, honey, like, and I gave him, like, I have backlogs of so much crap. (laughs) You have your own Uh, pharmacy. I do. And I was like, here's four months worth. Like, promise me you'll take this. Like, you will die. Like you're the reason that you had shingles for so long and they didn't go away is because you have no immune system. Right. And he just wouldn't like, and it's everyone's thing. And like, I don't know, I don't know his life and I don't know what was going on with him. And 
maybe he has a death wish. I don't know. But yeah, it's still HIV hasn't changed at all. Just because it looks prettier and you can't see it as much. Still the same. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we have to remember that this is the same with all diseases. I mean, you can also get cancer or diabetes and never treat it and you will die. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the important thing is for people to to really practice self-care, see their doctors. You know, if they don't have access to health care, find it. Go reach out to the city or the state where they live and see what kind of programs are available to them. Um, I want to return to a much lighter topic, which is... Oh my God, are we going to talk about assholes again? Well, I want to talk, talk about your ass, not necessarily the whole. Because I think a lot of people are wondering, how do how does one achieve an ass like yours? And let's be honest, Jack, you're no spring chicken. You and I are, are pretty much the same age. And for you to Thir- have, Are you 39 too? Uh, yes, we're both 39. <laughs> we're twins. I'll be 49 nice. next, next month. And I mean, you know, your ass is one that most 22-year-olds would envy. So how do you get it? Um, I don't have a good answer to that. Everyone's always like, oh, really? It's like when you say to the person, how do you stay so cut with all those abs? And they're like, I eat ice cream every night. And you're like, I want to fucking kill you. But, um, (laughs) I, I, um, have been a competitive swimmer since I was six and I'm a breaststroker and a butterflyer, which are leg driven strokes. So I've always had a big ass. That ass is decades in the making is what you're saying. Totally. And then actually I didn't start doing legs at the gym until like five years ago. Wow. And that was only because I didn't want it to fall. Like, right, because there's so and much it's the ass. same with my tits. It's, it's ex- like it's exactly I'm like tits. a man's ear. So. You know, when a woman has like double D breasts <laughs> and she turns like 60. Yeah, and then know, they turn into wind socks. the ground. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to well, you have to look well, out for that. Yeah. I mean, you may have to get an ass reduction someday. Never. Just a lift. <laughs> Blasphemy. Well, I just thank God because I remember, you know, in the seventies, having being skinny and flat chested and having and no having ass was ass. the look. Yes. And like, then I don't know if it was like I don't wanna give Kim Kardashian credit for fucking anything, but like, you know, asses just became a thing. We like, were just in talking the last about that. two decades. Like you know On it, men and women, yes. it was considered great to have like a big badonkadonk. Yeah. Um, and thank God, because you know I, I'm no Jack McEnroe, but my butt is is the most uh, prominent feature on me as well. Yes. Uh, so do you do the do you do the squats? Do you do the leg lifts? What do you do when you're at the gym? Um, I have a bad lower back because you know us children we get old. Um, I just do machines. That's all I do. But I do um, legs probably twice a twice a week. That's or, it. Yeah, I'm not crazy. Like, I, listen, I taught myself how to work out when I was 160 pounds when I first moved to New York out of Men's Fitness Magazine. I'm six feet tall, so now I'm 205 or 210 or right. something. Um, Why well, do back and biceps, chest and triceps, you know, shoulders, abs, and I would rotate and do it all over again and legs. Um, so, I, have, you know, I don't do any crazy anything. It's just like... A lot just of it's a lucky genetics. Motherfucker. Well, I mean, and Diet. I do. I mean, I and do swimming. I do do heavy, and I, I do, yeah, and I swim. Uh, we have a couple minutes left, and it's time to play. Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. Yeah. Jack, what is your favorite sexual position? And I don't mean top or bottom. I mean like actual position. Doggy. Me too. Uh, what's the one food you'll never put in your mouth? Uh, anything seafood. Anything from the ocean. I agree. Cut or uncut? Your preference? I like both. I'm cut. You are cut, mm-hmm. but you'll you'll accept both. I love both. 
Are you boycotting the reboot of Roseanne? Um, yeah, well, not actively boycotting because I don't give a fuck and I didn't watch it the first time. So you never were a fan of the show. It's okay. I loved it so much the first time. I mean, I think if I was a big fan, I would boycott it because from what I've read on social media, like it's worth boycotting. But I'm very conflicted because I watched it and I really liked it. But I I loathe her so much. She's so disgusting. And she tweets like. She fucking attacks the Parkland Massacre survivors. Like, she's a horrible person. Yeah. Ugh, what's the biggest dick you ever took? Um, I was fuck buddies with Rocco Steele for a while. That's super thick. Yeah. Did it hurt? Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, he has this thing where he likes to... He almost likes to hurt you. Yeah. Like, he likes to push it into the second sphincter where it's, like, kind of irritating. You know that feeling? Yeah. So he gets off on that, and I crawl away from it. Um, <laughs> it's fine. Poppers help. Oh, boy. I got to think about There's that There's one bigger, while. but he's a porn star from F- F- Falcon from the 90s. But Who is it? Um, he only did, like, three films. I don't want to out him because he... Okay. Yeah. Who is your celebrity crush? I mean, uh, mine is Rocco Steele, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't really give a fuck about celebrities. Probably Linda Evangelista. <laughs> <laughs> She's beautiful. She's a model. <laughs> um, have you ever done anal bleaching? Yes. You have? Yeah. Do you recommend it? Sure. <laughs> we were talking about it on the show last week. I don't really understand the point of it. I feel like most holes don't really need any kind of bleaching. A lot of them do. Really? Well, so what, what I had done is I, um, around, not the hole, but like where the cheeks rubbed together, like it was slightly darker, so. And you didn't like that? Well, whatever. Like there's a, there's a lotion for it. I'll put it on. Don't I just worry. feel like once you're down there, you're going to do it, you know, regardless. Well, I'm the only one. No, I mean, no one ever said, oh. Right. What's wrong with your hole? Yeah. What's wrong with your big Is that brown MRSA hole? on your big hole? Big brown hole. <laughs> <laughs> what's been the most exciting day of your life so far? Uh, fuck. That's a good question. I think actually finding the phone call that I was on Project Runway, that made me shit my pants. I'm sure. Yeah. And I wasn't allowed to tell anyone. For like months, right? Forever. Well, yeah, until I aired, which I did anyway. But Of course. Yeah. <laughs> if you're reincarnated, what do you think you'll come back as? Um, mm, a hamster. <laughs> Why a hamster? <laughs> I don't know. So you can crawl up Richard Gere's ass? That was a gerbil. Uh, yeah, same thing. <laughs> Jack McEnroth, people can follow you on jackmcenroth.com. On, no, know, don't bother with that. No? That website hasn't been touched in like 10 years. Oh, where should people call, uh, follow you? Uh, Facebook is the easiest. And, I mean, I'm at Jack McEnroth on everything. So on Facebook, Insta, Twitter, on Twitter, Instagram. OnlyFans. Yep. Well, we wish you the best of luck with uh, with OnlyFans. 
and with your nursing education. I think it's Thanks. awesome that you're going to be doing that, and Thanks. I'm sure you're going to help a lot of people. No, wanna, probably not. You're going <laughs> to. You always have, and you always will. Thank you, Jack, for being here. I want to thank pleasure. Ryan Frostig for being my co-host. Next week we have comedians Drew Lausch and Ashley Gavin on. They are both gay comedians. We'll ask them what that's like. I would have no idea. Subscribe to Derek and Romaine. Don't forget to follow me, me, on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Sank. Download my comedy album. Listen to this on iTunes and leave your ratings and reviews and have a great week, bitches. Bye. Bye.